listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This week in pharmacy, we're in the studio. I love when we're in the studio live with someone here instead of doing these Zoomies. I like Zoom. I like talking with pharmacists. But when we get a chance to have someone in the studio, Dr. Brandon Antonopoulos, one of my favorite pharmacists, I've been following you since your P2 year at Pitt. That's it. Yeah. And, and Brandon was one of my first supporters of our T-shirt brigades that we campaigns that we had. The first one was the RX rated shirt, which I have to bring back. I love that shirt. Um, and then your wife did this amazing. Um, she sewed together like a bunch of your stuff. We'll, we'll have it on show social media, but I loved it. Like you've been a huge supporter of me personally, but your support for community pharmacy has been pumping through your veins since you were a P2. Like, why is that? What was it about community pharmacy that you just are like on fire for? Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, the, the immediate, I, I would say the catalyst was, you know, my time at the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy. And I, I was very fortunate, you know, we had a lot of, um, a lot of good Folks in that class, um, Kyle McCormick yeah. is now running Blueberry Pharmacy. He was just down here. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, um, and 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 a lot of folks that are you know you can see now in national uh, and regional leadership positions. We we just had a really good class, and we had a a, a lot of great um, mentors, uh, even with our with our faculty. So uh, personally, um, you know, for me, it all started with Dr. Melissa McGivney. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I came to her with a, a group of us with this crazy idea. It was like, Hey, um, you know, we we're being taught all this, you know, clinical stuff, you know, medication therapy management and, and, uh, stars related measures and the impact of pharmacy. And I grew up in pharmacy. So, you know, I was born and raised in independent pharmacy. Uh, my parents, uh, my father was a pharmacist, mother, non-pharmacist, but they started a pharmacy in 1997 within our hometown, even before then, uh, my dad was always working for local independent pharmacies. Um, so, you know, I I can remember the earliest of my days, you know, five, six years old, no babysitter. <laughs> I was in the toy aisle of the pharmacy, you know, reading Sonic the Hedgehog comic <laughs> books. Um, so I, I think that's where my, and I don't know, like my my love of community pharmacies, like it's in my DNA because I've, I've lived it my entire life. Um, but as I, I never knew the potential of where I could take it or my passion for helping preserve access to community pharmacy and community pharmacy services uh, until my time at the University of Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, group of us, uh, we came to Dr. Melissa McGivney said, hey, um, there's this opportunity with a local health plan to get paid to do um, MTM through outcomes MTM. Um, We don't want to see this opportunity go away whenever we graduate. Um, so we want to, we want to like hit the ground running and we want to go into all these pharmacies and coach them, um, of how to do these opportunities so that they can be successful. Um, and, and also thankfully we had an 
still have an amazing dean, but at the time, uh, Dean Pat Crow, both as well as their senior associate dean Randy Smith. I mean, they were extremely supportive of us being able to um, personalize our education and experience. And and really, you know, they just threw the gas on the flames and said, here, just let's run with this. Um, and, and, you know, from there, it sparked this little group we called um, ourselves the uh, CLIP team or Top Drug. CLIP stand for Community Leadership, Innovation and Practice. They still have these areas of concentration that yeah. are like CLIP based. And, you know, they take uh, about 10 or so students every year. Um, teach them about practice transformation, enhanced services, a lot of the stuff that we're doing in PPCN and CPSN. Um, but it, I think if it was without that, um, as well as getting involved in my state association, um, you know, that that seems to be if, if there was like a point that I could say where it all started, that's where it started. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of transitioned us to talking about um, PPCN because that that thought of driving clinical follow-up from what a physician sets the stage for digging into diabetes management or hypertension or something else that these patients are they're getting diagnosed and then all of a sudden it just falls apart because there's no one really following up with the treatment as we move forward pharmacists were positioned in their communities, understanding what their patients were going through, as well as them as people in their, as, as long as sometimes third, fourth generation customers and clients. And to then it to be empowered by an organization like CPS, CPESN, and then PPN kind of grabbed the baton and ran with it from all of the states that have an opportunity to grow it what was it about Pennsylvania that caught fire? Like something happened, something was very special. I'm, I'm biased. I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm a Pittsburgher, uh, but it's Pennsylvania, North Carolina. And I can't remember the other state that's just on fire that, that they're just standing out. What was it about PPA, PPA and shout out to Vicki and Pat Apple and, uh, you know, starting it all. But what was it about Pennsylvania? Why, why is PA pharmacist care network just on fire right now? Yeah, um, uh, that's that's a good question. I, I think for us, you know, if I had to tell the story of, you know, how are we here? Um, I don't think a lot of a lot of folks realize um, um, all the time that has been spent on where we are today with, you know, growing to 200 pharmacies as part of this clinically integrated network of the Pennsylvania Pharmacist Care Network, you know, also a local network of CPSN USA, which represents in total about 3,500 pharmacies, um, you know, across the country with this dedication for um, uh, providing enhanced services to patients within the communities. Um, You know, for us, you know, I I would say PPCN, as you see it now, um, I think really started to get galvanized whenever, um, uh, CPSN was starting to uh, materialize, operationalize um, the Flip the Pharmacy initiative that you know started in 2019. Even before then, you know PPCN was working um, at the our local level with a contract with a Medicaid MCO for pharmacies in the network to get paid for services. Um, but even well before you know this 2018 2019 period. Um, our state association um, and the 
Pat Apple at the time, the board of directors at that time, um, even before I was a student. I mean, we're talking like in the early 2000s, um, saw the need for our pharmacies in Pennsylvania to have a way to be able to get paid for the services that they were providing, Mm -hmm. Um, invested money, invested time, went out and sought grants to kind of be like startup funding to be able to um, put together and materialize what we did now, um, what we have now. And even, you know, gosh, I was a resident, uh, PGY1 community practice resident, again, love Pitt and yeah, and, and being men- mentored by Dr. Melissa McGinney so much, I was like, you know what? I got to do this for one more year. Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know this wasn't the plan, but just give me one more year. Um, and, and really the person that took convincing was my wife, who was gracious uh, enough for me to delay a full pharmacist salary for one more <laughs> year, uh, but stayed on as a pit uh, and um, a resident, uh, partly funded by the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association to really kind of start the um, boots on the ground work. Of materializing the Pennsylvania Pharmacist Care Network. So, you know, it's we've been at this for a while. Thankfully, as we were looking um, to do something, um, uh, CPSN started to formalize CPSN USA and recognizing that there were other states that wanted um, to do this and needed to do this. There was opportunity for engaged payers, a lot of data and a lot of evidence that showed pharmacies could do this coming out of North Carolina um, down there. So it was really kind of, um, you know, all of us starting to work together. Um, and as well as I think the foresight of our leaders in our state through the association, um, collaborations with schools of pharmacy collaborations with pharmacy owners that recognize we need to do this, mm-hmm. um, and made the, the appropriate investments needed to do so. Um, that's where I've seen kind of challenges. If we look across the states um, doing what um, our state association invested a lot of money um, to be able to do this. Yeah. And, and I don't think a lot of people realize that and, and still continues to invest a lot of money um, in doing this. And that's why, you know, I'm here. I started within this role as president and COO um, back in March of this year. But Congratulations, I've, by the way. Oh, thank I'm you. Proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's I've, I've always been connected and driven to do more. My, my mission in life, um, has always been to create opportunities, um, for pharmacists to get paid for the services that they provide and ensure that, um, communities have access to community pharmacy. Um, and so, you know, I've always kind of been involved in my, my roles, um, uh, in and out of the year, years, but, um, it, it felt like welcome home, uh, doing this and kind of getting to work hand on hand with the group and, and, you know, we're growing the the network's growing. You know, I mentioned we have 200 pharmacies, uh, we're currently onboarding close to 20 pharmacies within this that's month. Incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah. And a lot of that's uh, support by a lot of industry partners that really, I think everyone just kind of recognizes the need that we need to pervert, preserve access to community pharmacy and this is one of the ways to to do so i'm looking at the map right now you can't see it if you're listening to the podcast but if you go to papharmacistnetwork.com you'll see the map it's all over the place and i'm telling you this has come a long way you can obviously see a heavy concentrations in the pittsburgh and the philadelphia areas but surprisingly it's spread out through the entire county all of the counties uh within within Pennsylvania. This is exciting because, you know, someone who has meticulously followed the pharmacy profession since around 2004, when I started blogging 
And I did it because I didn't know anything about pharmacy. I was from telecom and I started tracking um, progression of long-term care and senior care pharmacy specifically. And as someone who has kind of been the storyteller uh, since we started the podcast and collected all of this content, we're at an inflection point. There's, there is no more, am I going to do this when you're a community pharmacy owner? It's you have to do it now Bingo. because of what's happening with DIR fees, the DIR fee apocalypse that's coming in the beginning of 2024 and staging yourself to transform from the old fashioned pharmacy setting, which still did a, did all of these services, they just didn't get paid. So it's not that we, what what I see PPCN doing and, and CPSN doing is finally maturing and finally programma, programmatizing, is that a word? You're kind of, bringing, kind of bringing together the maturity of these turnkey programs so that I'll bet you any community pharmacist that's been in community pharmacy for five, 10, 20 years that look at your programs would probably be like, well, wow, like I'm already doing that, but this really solidifies it, uh, quantifies it, brings in the data, brings in the proof points so that when some payment system or source wants to pay me, I have all the backing as to why you would pay me for this. Yep. Because that dispensing fee and, and governing pharmacy care based on a dispensing fee is ludicrous in this day and age. And now, just like you, you and I said before we started recording, so many things are happening that a physician is, their time is being crunched and they're diagnosing and they're making some decisions and then they hand the baton to a home care organization or a nursing home or a specialist. Well, guess what? Nine out of one, nine, nine times more than you're seeing your physician, you're seeing the pharmacist, hand the baton to the pharmacist, hand the baton to someone who understands diabetes or hypertension or HIV or some condition that needs to be ongoing and, uh, ongoing and monitoring. But then for goodness sakes, let's find a funding source to pay for it so that those patients that aren't being monitored by a caring, uh, resourceful organization like a community pharmacist that knows how to do this, then that patient goes back to the emergency room because no one's caring for the condition. Yeah. And I think it's almost like do a little bit and take a little bit of money to care for these people in, instead of these gargantuan ER bills that come Absolutely. out, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just not good health. No, no, it's, it's not. And, and I think, I think even if you look at, you know, patient centered outcomes or patient satisfaction with the experiences, I think even that is, you know, I've, I've, everyone just kind of wants to be, they want to be taken care of, you know, they want to be cared for. And they don't want to be taken advantage of. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's the heart of the roots of, you know, care, whether it be in primary care, whether it be in community pharmacy, you know, that was always the spot in which a trusted relationship with a provider, even if there were all these other um, challenges and um, structures in place to, 
make that interaction a challenge. Um, but still at the, at the end of the day, you know, that's where, that's where the value is in, in those relationships, those trusted relationships, the community having a central point to say like, you know what, I have this question and I can't get an answer, um, from who I'm interacting with. And I have the sense, even those inter I'm interacting with want to give me an answer, but just don't have the time to do it. Where do you go? Yep. You go to the pharmacy. And, and, and so, you know, we need to, we need to make sure we do everything that we can, not just for ourselves and for the pharmacy profession, but, uh, you know, for our patients, for our communities, for our payers, yep. for the government, for employers, for health insurances, to make sure we preserve that access so we can continue, um, continue to take care of these folks. Um, couple, a couple of things I want to touch on as you were talking, um, you know, for the pharmacies, like you had mentioned, like you have to do this. Yep. I think it was, I think I was actually listening to Bruce Nealon, Bruce Nealon. Who, who, who said this and it stuck with me, um, you know, through all his, his years and his journeys and stories on the road. Um, you have to dispense medications excellently. Like if there's one thing you have to excel in, in pharmacy, it's that. And yeah. to me, that is medication synchronization, inventory management. Um, aside from, you know, we talk about the benefits of MedSync and what it means like for clinical opportunities, just as an operational workflow, mm -hmm. like that is the way. And, and, and even the touch point with the patient ahead of time and all that. Um, so, and, and that's what we see even for pharmacies that are performing very well in our payer program opportunities, like that's their workflow, 80% yep. of their workflow. The second thing is, um, it takes a team. Doesn't always have to be the pharmacist doing everything. Um, even if you're in one of these positions where it's one pharmacist and one tech, and that's how it was at, at, um, you know, hometown apothecary drugs, where my family's pharmacy was, um, that I got my chops in, um, we, we still figured it out. And it wasn't me doing everything. I utilized my technicians. We had an intern. I would say the, the pharmacies out there too. It's like, you, you gotta be doing MedSync and you gotta have your whole team and your whole staff involved. And if you're doing that, just pick one other thing clinical. I mean, it doesn't even have to be clinical, but what does your community need? And what are they willing to, um, you know, um, what are they willing to, this is going to sound bad. What are they willing to pay for? That's maybe not covered as a benefit. Cause yep. again, like provider status is to me is really just, you've communicated your value to someone who's willing to pay you for a service, providing a service. And, and many times there is a population within our community that recognizes the benefit of services that pharmacies provide. Um, and they will pay for it. And again, generating non PBM dependent revenue streams, again, to further help with, you know, what's coming in 2024 and make sure that we can ensure that access. Yeah. Um, and it does take a team. Uh, and that's the other thing I think with, with us and PPCN and CPSN, you know, it's not just me out there doing this stuff. I mean, w we have the greatest executive director of our local network, Stephanie McGrath. I mean, really she, she, takes a lot of the credit for where we are today or at least should um because you know she's the one out that's you know developing these relationships with the payers on behalf of the pharmacies working with the folks at cpsn usa to um launch and manage these programs we have a lot of support from you know cpsn usa to be able to do this um and there's a lot of boots on the ground people from our luminaries um which are our other owners 
um, other folks that we have helping. Um, we had Nicole Hassan, who um, was with Value Drug, um, but was a contracted um, uh, service implementation lead. Uh, Kelsey Hake, who's a director of engagement for us, but based out of the University of Pittsburgh. Um, and, and there's a lot of other folks locally within Pennsylvania that dedicated a lot of time, effort, sweat equity, um, you know, even just giving their own time to make it what it is. So, you know, it takes a team to keep these things going. Um, you know, it takes investment, uh, which our pharmacies are investing and um, our state associations investing. And we're going to continue to invest to make opportunities simple um, for our pharmacies to take care of their patients. Um, and then we're also going to invest in, again, this is one of the things that I would love if we could accomplish, um, in Pennsylvania. Um, I want every Pennsylvanian to know what a PPCN, CPSN pharmacy is mm -hmm. and the difference between a pharmacy within our network versus one that's not in the network or the typical pharmacy. Um, Stephanie and I, we were on a, um, uh, call with a payer potentially looking to launch a program and and you know, they asked that one question they were like if i walked into ppc and cpsm pharmacy how would i know yeah that that's a good question you know we maybe have some window stickers or something like that but um you know we really we really need to um you know raise up the brand of the community pharmacy enhanced service network yep. as well as locally with our pennsylvania pharmacist care network and make headway into Again, every Pennsylvania needs to know what a PPCN pharmacy is and what it means. As a person who loves marketing and loves logos and design and branding, it's really everything that I've done since I entered pharmacy specific to technology, but now it's more about messaging in this publication and raising the voices of our pharmacists doing things. When I look at, when I look at it as a non-pharmacist, what PPCN is and what CPSN is, all of your branding, this is my opinion, shout out to Jay uh, over at CPSN, I'm going to be calling you, but all of your branding is marketing to pharmacists and doctors and nurses, and I don't feel like it's branded for the consumer. Yeah, I feel like we have to simplify it, almost like a stupid campaign, not stupid, but a simple campaign that would be like, hashtag PA cares. And then if you're a PA cares pharmacy and it has like a heart around the, the Pennsylvania state, you know, a shape of the state. And then there's like a heart around it. And it says PA cares. If you're part of a PA cares community pharmacy, you're going to get all of these other services, something that simplifies so that we can communicate to, to, to our communities. Why is this important that you're part of a PA cares pharmacist, the PPCN pharmacy, and what do you get out of this that you're not going to get out of number one, the chains, number two, the mail order for God's sakes, can't stand it. And then number three, a non, maybe a community pharmacy that isn't it, but maybe the, the, the client, the patient could walk in and say, Hey, are you a PA cares pharmacy? And then they're like, no, but I should be one because why wouldn't you be one? Right. Let's take a break so that I can ask some questions about PPCN because back in my day, I was very sensitive to the number of pharmacies within a state because of the attention that I was giving to the state associations so that we could get more eyes and ears around content that I was helping to develop. 
I remember Pennsylvania having right around 870 pharmacies. Is that how many that there are out there? Yeah, I think rough, roughly. I think the last number I saw based on, um, I think like NCPDP count or even like Ikevia data, I think independence was just over 800. Now they, they, there are some, I always estimate 900 because there are some that are like chain independently owned and, and, you know, they, we have some of those that are part of the network, but yeah, I would say, yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty close or a good estimate. So I'm listening to this podcast right now. I'm a pharmacy owner and I'm like, okay, but make this simple for me. How do I get started? How do I get enrolled? What's the lowest hanging fruit? Like, where do I, where do I start as a pharmacy owner? Because, um, there's a lot of stress on pharmacy owners right now. It's probably daunting to thinking about bringing something out to my community that's pretty intensive from a, from the perspective of ownership. And then it's like, well, now it's something, one more thing that I have to manage. So I'm going to be the, the, um, the ebb and flow here in this conversation where I'll be the conundrum negative Nelly person and ask you a bunch of you know questions with my arms folded and being like, yeah, but I don't have anybody to launch it. There's there, the, the, the temperature is now almost boiling yeah. because it's, it's no, you can't sit around anymore. We have to do something. You have to implement a PPCN program. If you're a Pennsylvania pharmacy, if you're in another state, you need to reach out to CPSN, but let's tell the listeners why. And let's tell them, let's break it down and make it simple. How would they get started? So the first thing to do, um, you know, really just to reach out to us, you can do that through the PA pharmacist um, uh, network.com website or even CPSN's website through the contact or join links. Um, that's how we can get the information to follow up with you. Um Next steps from there, we walk you through our process. Um, everyone within our local network within Pennsylvania has to go through um, uh, delivering enhanced patient care training. Um, it's 10 hours, six hours um, online training live and four hours live and like a webinar training. It is CE approved, so you're going to get CE for it. But that training is very important, not only just to orient you to the network, um, but two, that's what gives us the ability from a quality assurance standpoint to go to these potential payers and say, hey, um, Brandon's pharmacy is in Pittsburgh, Todd's pharmacies in Philadelphia, or even Todd's pharmacies in Brownsville. Mm-hmm. But this training and we teach the pharmacist patient care process um, and how that standard process every single time, regardless of what the service is, regardless of the workflow, like that's the process that we teach and we teach how these enhanced services fit into that process. That's what helps ensure that um, regardless of what pharmacy a patient might go into and what location, they're going to get the same level of service and care every single time. So very important. Um, after that, we walk you through the steps to enroll uh, your network into us with Pennsylvania, as well as the steps to enroll within CPSN, you know, the, the agreements, uh, and the fees to participate for us um, in Pennsylvania. Uh, pharmacy total costs $199 a month for the participation fees. Um, that's your investment to be a part of the network. And a lot of that goes into the infrastructure, the reporting needed for us to be able to be a clinically integrated network. Um, as well as, you know, again, our great team, their time and going out and getting these pair contracts to support that um, for the pharmacies. Uh, and then after that, you know, 
you have the opportunity to enroll in whatever payer program that's available to you. Right now, we currently have three um, very substantial uh, payer program opportunities with managed care organizations throughout the state. Um, And, you know, our pharmacies in Pennsylvania are generating on average. So this is even like the very high engagers and the ones that, you know, are at least just starting to dabble in it. Um, But they're generating a little over a thousand dollars a month um, average. Um, and, and so, you know, again, the, the ROI is there, um, for our pharmacies, you know, our payers are happy and they continue. We're actually going to be expanding, um, one of those payer programs that offer additional services for pharmacies, um, to be able to do social determinants of health screenings, uh, which our pharmacies are doing too. Um, but, you know, really just reach out to us through the website. Um, the trainings requirement, the monthly participation fees are requirement. Um, but we have a lot of support and tools and resources to walk you through, you know, how to be successful and a lot of examples and people, other pharmacy owners willing to talk to you about how to do that. Yep. And then you have to, once you enroll, once I become a PPCN member, I have my training. We have to communicate what we're doing for our communities and why it matters. So when I said lowest hanging fruit, I meant or what are the conditions that we could start with to make it easy for our communities to understand the value that we're presenting that may be different than what we weren't doing a month before we started PPCN, you know, enrollment. So I'm going to, I'll just make it easy for, yeah. so it, so if I, if I know I have 30 diabetic patients, do I start in diabetes? Do I start hypertension? Do I start in some condition, which it's, it's a it's an ongoing opportunity for me to engage the patient if I get them in front of me, if I get them on telehealth, if I get them in my pharmacy, it's an opportunity to make more money from them, but also keep them on track in yep. order to keep them healthy. So describe that to the listeners too. Yeah. So and and this is I would say the same thing whenever I was coaching pharmacies as a Good neighbor pharmacy business coach before coming and joining PPCN. Um, that was a good boot camp, by the way. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, um, yeah, I, I missed. I, I missed through the years coming to the wholesaler shows and being able yeah. to. And I mean, any show to being able to interact and engage, and they threw on a nice one. So, right. um, uh, but you know, you pick one that you're comfortable with and you're passionate about. The yeah. the big thing that we mentioned is MedSync workflow. You got to have that MedSync workflow. Okay. Um, even if you don't, and you're going to start somewhere, I'd say just start with that. Get 20, 25 patients, um, do a meds, get them through a MedSync workflow. Uh, CPSN has resources available through Flip the Pharmacy and even through flipthepharmacy.com. Like anybody can access that. You don't even have to be in the network. Um, those were all supported by the Community Pharmacy Foundation. That's freely accessible to everyone. Um, NCPA through their Simplify My Meds program. If you're an NCPA member, yep. they're great. Their videos do a great job. Shout out to Kevin Day, who um, is the managing network facilitator for CPSN USA and a pharmacy owner uh, back when I think he was a resident with NCPA or student on rotation. Wow. He's featured in those videos. That's cool. We're uh, all getting old. <laughs> Um, so there's, there's resources out there to, to start there. And um, But as far as like a disease state or, you know, Am I going to do social determinants of health screening? Am I going to um, uh, educate and counsel patients on their diabetes or manage their hypertension? 
just just pick one to start with. Even just pick two patients, three patients, something. You, you just got to start somewhere. Yeah. You got to build the confidence because I think that's the that is the other thing is like, oh, this is so far ahead of what I'm doing or what what I'm able to do. It's like you you, you got to start somewhere. Um, so pick one area, pick what you're passionate about, pick what you're, um, think is going to be the, the confidence builder for you and your team to dabble in. Um, the same thing works out well with even other services. Um, you know, if we're offering, um, if we want to improve shingles vaccinations or pneumonia vaccination rates, um, I've seen a lot of pharmacies where they try to, Say like, okay, we have these three things that we want to do or we're signed up in. Here's how you identify the patients. All right, go get them. Yep. And, and you know, that just implementation process doesn't seem to work pretty well. So I would coach my pharmacy to say like, just pick one a month. Tell your staff like, hey, for this month, we are everyone who is on a stat and we're going to talk about CoQ10 supplementation. Give them the talking points. Have them only worry about identifying that and focusing on that. Now, you just gave them a month to only have to focus on one thing. Yep. It builds their confidence, builds their skill set. Now, next month, we're going to focus on um, sh- shingles vaccine, offering shingles. Look for this type of patient within workflow through that MedSync workflow and make make the offer. And so I think, you know, the MedSync's the big thing and um, just starting small. Just pick one area and, and do something that you're passionate about because then you won't feel like it's selling or you won't feel like it's a new skill you got to learn. Yep. Um, and, and start simple. Start simple. I, th- I think of just to shout out things that could be bolted into the PPCN playbook. I think of identifying medications that aren't working for patients based on absorption or, or breaking the medications down through PGX, through pharmacogenomics. I think of point of care testing, I think of sexual education courses for parent and children to come to your pharmacy to understand the dangers of unprotected sex and just basic things that could tie into, uh, you know, uh, you know, diseases that could come from that and that kind of education. Um, I'm thinking of pain management. I'm thinking of obviously diabetes, hypertension, but there are so many things that every single community has people in their community that are suffering with that. Yeah. So it's it's already there. Your your community already has the conditions in place. You just almost have to siphon out in stages, just like you said, one month, you know, you're doing this, one month, next month. By the time you hit your first year of practicing something one per month by your second year you're going to have a ton of business that's coming in to your pharmacy for more than just a refill or more than just filling a prescription because the people that are coming in for an antibiotic that is a one and done client or customer if you had a questionnaire you had someone slowing them down saying hey we're here for the total family family i know that you're going to be on this antibiotic for the next how long a month or 90 days or whatever yeah, it is. Yep. So, but let's talk about your whole family health. Let's talk about your, you know, what's happening in your home. Do you know that we do this, 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 and this to really help? I mean, we're talking about like even Terry Forshee has this turnkey 
a lifestyle management program that helps with weight management and with i mean that in and of itself could become um a profit center for you and when i say profit there are a lot of pharmacists who are just good-hearted transparent people that and lisa fast teaches this all the time profit is not a four-letter word so if you're in community pharmacy there is absolutely as long as there's value and there is but as long as there's value to you as a clinician and you as a pharmacist there's nothing wrong with me because if you're taking their money for something a supplement a disease state management or whatever then they're living better like their yeah. their health is literally better so please make money from it rather than it either a going to the emergency room which is the the worst or b it being farmed out to a national chain or some other organization that's never going to do the job that you're going to do as a community pharmacy but in kind of wrapping up and closing up what is the shout out to the non-network community pharmacy owner right now that isn't part of PPCN here in Pennsylvania? And then the pharmacies throughout our 19,000 plus other ones that are out there, what, what's your shout out to them? You know, I would just say, again, this we're at this point, you know, 2024, and I think Troy Trickstead, our executive director of CPSN USA, he said it best you know and, and 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 i'm a golf fan too he said you know that 2023 is it's saturday this is moving day mm -hmm. you know we we put in the work on thursday and friday um but you know the 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 tournament if we're gonna win or not starts tomorrow it starts sunday yep and 2023 is moving day so you're either putting yourself in a position your pharmacy in a position to still be around in 2024 and take care of patients um, and that is through growing non dispensing revenue. You still have to do that very well. There's still profit in there. It just takes a little bit more effort and time to than than it used to be whenever my family owned the pharmacy in '97. Um, but you got to do that well. But you got to do something to get into non PBM revenue. Join our network. Um, that's going to open up opportunities to be able to capitalize on some of our payer programs we have. Um, to be able to do that, to put you in a position to to win on Sunday and get the green jacket. That's awesome. I like that. Um, shifting for us nerds, because you're a nerd like me. Oh, yeah. I just started watching um, uh, one of the new Marvel um, kickout movies from Disney+. Plus. Um, it's called Invasion. Have you started watching Secret that? Secret Invasion. Yeah, I started last night. I started last night. It's uh, only episode one's out, so yeah, I watched it last night too. Yeah, yeah, That's but I uh, I fell asleep before the before the. <laughs> I have to watch it again. I, yeah, I do. No, it was it was it was a long day, and I and I am a uh, you know my my nightly routine is kind of like when it's all sunny down the bed. I uh, you know I have my glass of box wine. Like, you know, everyone who knows me, they, they always you know crack a joke. Be like, Brandon, come on, you're like you're. You know, <laughs> pharmacist. Now you're in this position. You can afford more than box. I'm like, hey, I, 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 I like, like my, my box, box wine, and I still, I, I still have my student loans to pay off. When I get them paid off, then I'll, then I'll, you know, right. start drinking from the bottle. So no, you know, my routine was you know, the wine. You know, watch a little TV, and that's the one I, I, I started. But yeah, whenever you know, I woke up, you know, still in my relaxing in my chair. I'm like, oh man, I gotta go. Back I gotta watch, watch it all this. over. Yeah, yeah. But no, I am like complete uh you know marvel mcu nerd and star wars star nerd wars, me yep. too. i am if you're listening and you're not a nerd like us and don't watch that please give us a shout out let us know what you do like to talk about but 
We appreciate what pharmacists are doing. Pharmacy Podcast Network is dedicated to all things um, amplifying our pharmacist voices. If you are a state organization that would like to use our platform to push more of your provider services and enhanced care services, um, please reach out to us. Brandon, we have to have you back. Um, I want to I want to have some kind of rotation that you come to Brownsville and yeah, come to the studios to. and talk. But I love um, that you got to visit us here in the studios. Thank you for being part of This Week in Pharmacy. And thank you for what you're doing for our profession because um, you are not the type of person that you're going to sit still. So watch what happens to your career um, over the years. I know I'll be watching, but I just wanted to thank you for being here. No, I appreciate it. And hopefully, you know, looking forward to coming back throughout the years to keep absolutely. talking about it and keep talking about. We'll bring some more pharmacy. Independent farms. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now it'll be a good time. Uh, you, I know, I've seen you've had some few of our pharmacy yeah. owners on here. Eric, and stuff. Eric was here. Eric Cushy. I love that guy. Um, he owns four pharmacies here in Fayette County yep. and he, um, he was just on RX Safe's uh, podcast talking about compliance packaging, and we touched on some of the things you talked about today. However, there is a blueprint that PPCN has that's ready to go, and it's just like if you're listening and you're not part of this network, just reach out to uh, reach out to even Kyle McCormick could even like teach you the cash base side of folding in other clinical services. Is is Kyle part of PPCN? He is not. Okay, he is not. Um, but he. You know, I can't speak he for almost, him, but he's he, he, he almost he supports it. us. Yeah, he practices. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, he's he supports. There's um, you know, he could tell you, um, uh, you know, again, our our programs again, everything's kind of based on dispensing claim data yeah. as far as where patients at, you know, and and that's part of his model is you know he doesn't operate in that in that world, right? Um, but you know, it's still very supportive. He and I talk regularly um we're like each other's support group so cool. you know even though he's not in the network not a reflection of you know him kind of sitting on the sidelines he's definitely making things happen he could become part of the ppcn special forces that could be like a the outlier when we start growing hit because his network's growing too yeah this whole you know um cash plus or uh pharmacy plus is uh cost plus model is is growing so Shout out to you, Kyle. We love you too. We want you back. Hey, thanks for listening to today's This Week in Pharmacy um, with Brandon Antonopoulos. Um, Dr. Brandon, we uh, enjoyed having you. And if, like you said, you want more information, please go to pharmacistsnetwork.com or go to cpesn.com. That's cpesn.com. And we thank you for listening. This episode is sponsored by Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, widely known as IPC. Established in 1983, IPC is the nation's largest group purchasing organization owned by Independent Pharmacy. With a mission of maximizing the success of community pharmacists, IPC works to provide members with access to effective programs and services designed to enhance profitability for independent pharmacy. Read more about our mission by checking out our website at ipcrx.com. That's IPCRX.com. Welcome back to This Week in Pharmacy. It's kind of like part 
two of today's show. This is the uh, live version. Sometimes we don't have the scheduling capabilities of getting people into the studio like uh, Dr. Antonopoulos, uh, which he's such a busy guy that they come in. We want to record live, but we share with you recorded. If you're listening, it probably really doesn't make a difference if you're just listening to the podcast portion. I want to jump into some news. This came up in my uh, Twitter feed. So I want to talk to you about um, tw you know, uh, Twerks news and, and things that are happening. I want your opinion on this um, on this content. First of all, this just came up in my Twitter feed. This is corners are cut to dispense prescriptions. Uh, CVS employees tell um, Ohio Board of Pharmacy. Um, this news just came out. Uh, it was re it was reported on July seventh, and this is shocking. This is an example, and I'm going to pick on big corporation CVS, not the pharmacists, not the technicians. Not even maybe middle management, but the organization is eating its own young, literally. And, it, and here's the literal part of it. CBS owns a PBM, and they're part of the PBM conundrum, the three largest ones, that have created a system that suck out the majority of that revenue that is being uh, used for insurance into the form of profits. And or at least a big portion of it, or too big of a portion of it in the form of profits. Not of enough of it is going to paying our pharmacists, paying our technicians, putting on extra pharmacists for safety, putting on technicians where need, evolving the evolution of, of how a pharmacy operation works at such a high level of, of client uh, slash customer need. Um, people need their pharmacists. Guess what's happening? They're closing pharmacies throughout the country and they're slashing hours and it's all based on the PBM model. I know the pandemic had to do part of this. You know that the pandemic had an impact on this, but this is frustrating. This is a direct, this should tell Congress, this should tell our government, this should tell the American uh, taxpayer and uh, the American worker out there worried about healthcare that CVS Health must change their uh, bigger policies around how things get paid because it's literally in, impacting their own pharmacies in communities that need them. Um, enough of that soapbox, but very frustrating. Uh, once again, tell us what you think at Pharmacy Podcast on, on any of the social media platforms. <clears throat> hey, let's talk about Mark Cuban. So when Mark Cuban came out with Cost Plus Drugs through his work with Dr. Alex, and they were actually featured on Pharmacy Podcast Network's uh, shows. We actually interviewed their CEO of Mark, Mark um, Cuban's Cost Plus Drugs. It's such a mouthful. And then, of course, we referenced other organizations and other people that uh, Dr. Alex and Cost Plus need to be a part of. They need to join forces with the NCPA. They need to look into becoming a wholesaler. Um, they need to look in other portions of uh, of pharmacy, and this is all on the interview. Um, it's interesting that now they're entering into launching a biosimilar for Humira, and this is uh, reported on Reuters, and it it states in the headline: Mark Cuban's online pharmacy set to launch Humira. So, this is really good news. I predicted in its current form when they launched this 
that they would go out of business within two years if they weren't doing something with independent community pharmacy, uh, uh, becoming a wholesale driven and expanding on more than just being another online pharmacy because the online pharmacy does not connect the long-term value of where pharmacy can go and where pharmacy is going based on the current payment models and business models. And I was very scared of this organization, which it's, it's definitely starting to change, which is exciting to becoming another lowest to the bottom race for pricing with, with sucking out the value of what pharmacist and pharmacy does for healthcare. It isn't a commodity. It's not a race to the bottom. But once again, current models, um, you know, encourage uh, organizations to be that way. So Mark Cuban and Dr. Alex is mixing it up and they're starting to think of the future and how uh, entering specialty spaces is a great idea, but specialty will lead them to doing more partnerships with clinicians on the ground, pharmacists that will work with them in order to execute other services that go along with the medication, because we all know it's not just the medication. So look that up, read more about that, and keep that in mind in moving forward as a pharmacist, as a pharmacy professional. How can we start partnering with organizations like Mark, Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drugs? Hey, let's jump to community pharmacists can be better understood, can, be, can better understand, implement uh, social determinants of health. And this is put out by Pharmacy Times. And it was a webinar titled Breaking Barriers, Improving Health Outcomes Through SDOH Screening in Community Pharmacies. Three expert panels discuss the use of social determinants of health uh, with a focus on screening and referrals. Did you know that there are 15 million Americans that are within parts of the United States that are underdeserved, underserved areas, which are known as pharmacy deserts? 15 million Americans. And so that brings to attention the services that are local independent community pharmacies and the roles that they play. And it also sets up uh, the, the, uh, the double checks into why, is, why are we missing pharmacies and healthcare um, services within specific communities that's impacting 15 million Americans. Pharmacists have something to say about that. And you would know if you research this information, if it's nearby neighborhoods that you could have a direct impact by talking to your community uh, legislators and your, your state um, Congress and get them involved in understanding that as a pharmacist, maybe it's a business opportunity, especially if you're a community pharmacy owner, to reach out and, and to be a part of the solution. But reach out to us because we want to continue to research social determinants of health and the concepts that are coming from pharmacists specifically. But take a look at this article from Pharmacy Times. All right, before we get on with the rest of the show, I want to talk about Twitter. This whole subject to me is really interesting. Um, so does everybody remember not too long ago, if you're listening, if you're a longtime podcast listener, you probably have heard of Mastodon, which was a new, well, not so new. It actually has been out for a while, but it's a open source, very privatized, driven. Uh, people can set up their own server environments. 
where you kind of create a closed environment of people interested in specific things. And Mastodon came out, and of course, uh, there were pharmacists on Twitter that were using hashtag uh, TwitterRx that were commenting and making negativity comments towards Twitter about probably more about political issues than the actual platform. And th that when we when we think of healthcare providers, and I think of our purpose, not that we're not allowed to have personal opinions. I think everybody is entitled to their personal opinions and then the responsibility that they have based on what they do, especially for our physicians and pharmacists and nurses, where you're actually impacting people's lives through the healthcare that you deliver to them. You almost take an oath. When you took the pharmacist oath, you, you kind of said, I have to serve and I should serve under my oath, regardless of of politics really and and I think that that's the case but let's keep it from a from a technical perspective and what Elon Musk is trying to do to keep uh, Twitter relevant as a platform as we see all these new platforms coming out uh, TikTok's all the rage right now Instagram's still very popular but it seems like our social media which I'm around long enough because I'm old to to see social media is dawn in the its very beginning MySpace for example and how things change, brands collapse, platforms collapse, and if they don't reinvent themselves, they'll die. Guess what that sounds like? It sounds like pharmacy. It really does. So I'm gonna compare this article. Is the end of Twitter, is this the end of Twitter? What to know about threads uh, in Facebook's new Twitter, they call it the Twitter killer, which I kind of laugh at that because I think Twitter is actually going to go the route of reinventing itself. I think Elon Musk is too much of an innovative person, and I think he has a lot of pride in this platform and the fact that he's really wanted to, to be very freedom-based in order for the user to say and post what they, what they want um, whenever they want and, and say what they want, with, of course, some normal um, uh, boundaries of things being shown in order to, to comply with uh, international accepted law through publishing and content as well as you know the united states where it's based it, obviously that there's some boundaries but i think we've learned through analytics and through studies that things are drastically changing in the social media world and it really reminds me in, in parallel with what's happening in pharmacy and that should tell you something as a pharmacist, as a pharmacy owner, if you're listening right now, a pharmacy student, if you're listening right now, pharmacy to be valuable and to continue to be paid for and to actually grow in, in, in services because they, it has to based on the clinical need, especially for a lot of the chronic disease states, especially rare diseases that are coming out, is going to take pharmacists that are innovative at heart and of mind in order to create and continue to create value in what pharmacists do. And it, it, it isn't dispensing. It really isn't. Dispensing is going to go the way of AI and, and um, in automation and machines. And the services that are going to be needed in our public and our communities based on the coming of, of lack of physicians is going to create so many new opportunities. Uh, with pharmacists and what you're what you're capable of doing, and it and it might not even be medication related. You might become a pain management specialist that's after the medication 
is uh, implemented based on your recommendations as the pharmacological expert, and then digging much deeper into ongoing pain management, almost as a preventative measure by looking into the holistic side of medications and the coming use of technologies and the new uh, TENS devices that give a tiny little electronic shocks and how you could study up on that and become an expert in the balance between medication and pharmacological and technology and devices and um, and and how Click Therapeutics is going to be looking for experts and for partnerships in specialty um, drug treatment management and how digital prescriptions and ther- and uh, and technologies are going to be used to literally manage disease states. So please, if you are in pharmacy right now and you are frustrated, you are frustrated, um, you're in a, you feel stuck. You might be in a um, a chain environment. You might be in an independent environment. You might, it could really, it can come, burnout can come from anywhere. Fall back in love again with being a pharmacist. Reach out to our organization and connect into 50 plus of our hosts that have amazing ideas and what they're doing, what they're driving. None of them are um, are sitting still. Every single one of the hosts that drive content through the Pharmacy Podcast Network are doing something amazing and they don't want to do it by themselves. They want other pharmacists to join forces in, in doing things that haven't been done before in maternity, in women's health, in um, specialty care, rare diseases. Home care is just exploding. Uh, shout out to Happier at Home, who's our partner in, in helping with, um, with community pharmacy, alternative revenue sources with services that your communities need. Reach out to us. I, this is not just about podcasting. Actually, actually, it's really, it's not even about podcasting at all. It's just the, it's just, it's just the channel of social media and of communications that I accidentally chose in 2009 to start developing instead of blogging. And now it's blown up into this, into this network of the most brilliant minds in pharmacy, some of the most innovative people in pharmacy become a part of it and network with us. Come ask us for help. Pharmacy students, pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, businesses. Once again, this is a network. If you're not uh, a member of RPH Ally, please join RPH Ally. Go to rphally.com. Reach out to Sean and Kevin, Dr. Kevin Walker uh, and, and his team are just amazing. They're putting together a conference that's coming. I will be on vacation so I am going to have FOMO all over the place, fear of missing out on that conference. Um, it's going to be a, a, an online environment. I think it's July 16th through 18th or 17th through 18th. But please look it up. Uh, search RPH Ally. Uh, look at their uh, online discussions. Uh, just just support them. Support each other. Reach out to Pharmacy Podcast uh, Network for uh, for really anything, uh, anything that we spoke about today, anything that you think that we're missing that you'd like to help develop content on. That's how this network has grown to over 100,000 plus listeners per month. We're so excited about our growth. Hey, a shout out to FDA uh, doing podcasting through us uh, now. They're going to be uh, replicating some of their and amplifying some of their content as well as Peace Corps. Uh, look that up of what's coming. Hey, have a great weekend. Uh, This was Todd Urey, This Week in Pharmacy. We'll talk to you next week.